Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Probably about 10 years ago, Ginny and I um, and the family went up kind of Bay of Islands way for a summer holiday. We stayed in a little cove uh, past Kerry Kerry, and we were there for probably, I don't know, maybe a week. Probably about the second day we were there, I was walking along the beach, looking out over the water. There were probably, probably a dozen boats sort of sitting there, you know, that, that beautiful scene, these, these white glistening boats sitting on a, just, just a, a glass, river, uh, a glass um, harbour. And I noticed one of them, it looked like it had a little bit of a lean. Wasn't too sure, but it just looked like it had a bit of a lean. So the next day when I got up and I went down for a little walk, I glanced over at it again and it was definitely leaning. And you could tell that there was something seriously wrong there with the boat. And through the course of the day, it drew a bit of attention and there were numbers of other people coming down to have a look at this boat, which more, more than just gently leaning, it was on a significant tilt. And by the end of the day, it had sunk. Talking with some of the locals afterwards, they said that uh, the boat had a crack in the hull and um, due to the water slowly coming in, it was slowly sinking until it had sunk. And it reminded me of the saying, it's not the Christian in the culture, but the culture in the Christian that will sink it. Same way, it's not the water around the boat, but the water in the boat that will sink it. We who proclaim Christ as our Lord and our Saviour, we have the privilege of living in this culture and serving him in this culture but we are not of this culture. Our culture is different. If you drill a hole in a boat that you're sitting in, on a lake or a harbour, it will leak. It's just what happens, isn't it? You put a hole in your boat, it will start to leak. If we're not on guard, we will start letting our society's worldview influence our faith, rather than having our faith influence our society's worldview. That's just the situation that we're in here. Those that allow God, by, uh, allow God in by accepting the price he paid through Jesus to set us free from sin and death, then have this profound privilege of becoming the place where God can dwell. Like literally, literally, God lives in those that have accepted the price Christ paid on our behalf. That's how he gets into our culture, through us. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you're bought with a price Therefore, honour God with your bodies. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
through this encounter, God is now able to work in us and transform us and through us and touch others with his presence and with his provision. There's the privilege. Very, very briefly or very quickly, could you put your hand up if you've experienced him working in and through your life? Just put your hand up if you've experienced that. I want you to look around you, people, and if you get the opportunity after the service, track some of those people down and ask them what that looked like. I'd like to share an experience that I was involved in. <clears throat> some of you may remember, in, it's going back a bit now actually, nearly 20 years, in February of 2004, the National Pagan Festival came to Morrinsville. It's a big, it was a bit of a big deal. There was quite a few people that heard about it, numbers of folk that wanted to protest about that. Some of us, however, decided we would like to get involved in that. We saw it as an opportunity of coming alongside those that were going to the festival so that we could be salt and light to them in that place. This festival was run over the long weekend. I think it was Waitangi weekend. Those of us that felt that call got involved and we started praying for an opportunity to get involved in that. We then found out that the festival was going to have stalls and there, are, uh, there were potential opportunities to have a stall. So we decided we would see whether we could hold a stall in the pagan festival, but we were going to be calling the Christ Consciousness Site. That was what we thought we would like to name the stall, the Christ Consciousness Site. And so we got hold of the organiser of the festival. We asked her if we could take up a stall we were calling it the Christ Consciousness site we would like to be involved in that festival and share the love of Jesus we were really surprised to hear back and to hear that the offer was accepted we found out afterwards by this, by this organiser that there was quite a robust discussion with the festival organisers as to whether we should or should not be allowed into that weekend, into that festival. It's interesting, when we were going through the book of Malachi, which we've been, we've, we've been doing here probably over the last, oh, I don't know, nearly three months maybe, in my Bible I often highlight things just as a reminder to me, put a little statement down, in Malachi 2, verse 5 and 6, I highlighted that this scripture was for me as we went into the festival. So I'll read the scripture. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was on his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and turned many from sin. Now, I'm not saying 
that I fulfilled every detail of that scripture, but I felt called by that scripture. I felt for me, and I, I shared it with the others, that that scripture was something we were pursuing. That scripture was to identify with us. To, so, so those that saw us could see what that scripture was representing. Our focus for the weekend was, in brackets, to lift Christ high and love those there. That was the statement we went in with. All of us carried that statement, to lift Christ high and to love those there. So understanding the spiritual nature of the environment that we were going into, one prerequisite for those going was to have someone praying for them while they were there. The other thing that we decided to do was we actually wanted to be able to pray over the site before we went in. So we got the opportunity to go on top of Mount Misery. Anybody that doesn't know Morrinsville, it's just a, it's just a, a hill up here. Goodness knows why they call it Mount Misery, but they do. Go on top of Mount Misery, and it looks down over the, the site where the pagan festival was going to be held. The wreck, the wreck grounds in Morrinsville over that way. We were going to pray over the site. We were going to have communion. We'd been praying before then. We get up there one evening. I don't know when it was. It might have been the night or two nights before the event was to take place. We'd been praying before that. We get up there. And while we're up there praying, looking down over the site, probably 10 metres ahead of us was a was it was a fence, and then down the hill, and then the site. While we were there doing that, a tractor comes up, front-end loader tractor. Drives up, this is evening, dusk. Drives up, drops his bucket, and takes the whole fence out. And then drives off. Didn't even stop. We looked at each other and we said, I didn't realize angels smoked. <laughs> that to us was a significant event. And we had communion and there was something significant that had happened there as well. During the course of the weekend, there's so many things that I'm only using this as an illustration, but during the course of the weekend, a few of us had the privilege of the head, witch, and warlock of England coming to our site and sitting and talking with us. They were part of the festival. They were the, they were the key speakers. They had a bodyguard. I had the privilege of befriending the bodyguard. So much so that um, I was able to share a few things and I never saw him after that. I think he was told to keep away. Fairly sure of that. Having got alongside the stall holders, the organisers, over the course of that weekend, we, uh, uh, we, were, we were seen as a friend, not foe, by 
by those ones. We'll talk a little bit about some others in a minute. And um, on the last day of the festival, Murray Edgar, don't know if Murray's here. Murray Edgar and I, because he was one of them that were there on the site, Kirsty Dodansky, I noticed Kirsty here. She was another one that was there for the weekend. Murray Edgar and I got there early to set up our site for the last day. And while we were setting up, one of the stallholders comes over to us and he said, uh, we're just going to pray for the day. Would you like to come and pray for us? And Murray and I look at each other and think, So we thought, why not? Maybe there's a good reason why not, but we thought, why not? So we get together with them, probably 20, I didn't count, 20 people. They're all gathered in a circle. We enter the circle. They all hold hands. So they're holding our hands now. So we're there in the circle of folk, and they're wanting us to pray. So we pray this kind of prayer. This is true. We pray this kind of prayer. <sighs> Father of all creation, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the love that was displayed through Jesus who died for us. We commit ourselves to you. We commit this day to you. Come and walk amongst us and have your way. Amen. Something very, very much like that. The guy standing next to me, big beard, big hair, we drop our hands, he looks at me and he says, wow, mate, that was real powerful shit. <laughs> These things happened because we wanted God who lives in us to be given the opportunity to be seen through us. There were uncomfortable things there over that weekend. Things that made us uncomfortable. Things that absolutely made some of them uncomfortable with us wandering into places we weren't meant to wander into. We weren't allowed there over the night in the evenings because that was when they did their rituals, so we had to leave by five. But you see, we're not called to be successful for God. We are called to be faithful to God. Your call is not about success. Your call is about faith. Be faithful to him. Be faithful to what he's calling you to. You know, Sam's going out. Who knows? You know, God bless you, Sam. Just so thrilled for you. That's where, you'll, that's where you'll meet God, out of your comfort zone. In the first century, the very first Christians were persecuted and martyred because they would not bow down to the gods of the Roman culture that they were in. In about 300 AD, Rome became a Christian nation and the spiritual powers that were behind the pagan ways were cast out of the Roman culture. This profound change was due to the influence God was able to have in the unseen realm through the believers as they lived out and proclaimed the word of God and Jesus Christ. That's how that happened. As they lived out and proclaimed the word of God 
in Jesus Christ, God who lives in us, is able to do profound things through us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's the battle, not flesh and blood. When we went to the pagan festival, the battle was not the people. We knew that. That's why we prayed before we fasted. We had people praying while we were there. That's where the battle lines were drawn. 2,000 years later, and now the unseen spiritual power brokers are seeking to cast out the word of God and the Christians that proclaim Jesus Christ from our culture. That's the battle. These powers and authorities know that by casting out Christian values from our culture, that then allows the opportunity for the spiritual powers and authorities to come into that vacant space. I strongly suggest this is precisely what's happening in New Zealand and in the West right now. We need to be aware of that. Otherwise, we might get disturbed. We have his power. We submit to him. We make him known through us. Saying I believe in God is not so confrontational. God can represent many possibilities. Pagan Rome had many gods. The authorities there were not upset that you worshipped the gods. They worshipped the gods. However, saying you believe in Jesus Christ, that's a very different story. That got you in the crosshairs of the powers and authorities. That's what's going to get you in the crosshairs of the powers and the authorities today. Our nation is being allowed to revert back into its pagan Roman roots. Evil fears what it cannot control. Evil fears, fears what it cannot control. And what it cannot control is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Evil is afraid of you. Not because it's you, but because of who is in you. So you are in his crosshairs. If you have Jesus Christ living in you because of accepting the price he paid on your behalf, evil fears you and will try and make you afraid of him. Try and cause you to back off. That's what evil wants. Will it stir things up to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ? For sure it will. But God honors those who honor him. God honors those who honor him. He promises that. If anyone serves me, I must follow me. And where I am there, my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. The first century church would not bow down to anything other than the name of Jesus Christ. That commitment is what ultimately transformed that pagan nation, casting out the spiritual powers and authorities in the name and through the power of Jesus. We need to set ourselves apart and allow the living God who resides in every believer to work in us and through us in our culture today.
1 John 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Membership into God's family has only one condition. Faith in and loyalty to the God of gods come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not that difficult. It's that hard, but it's not that difficult. The members of God's family have a clear mission, and that is to be God's agents in restoring his good rule on earth and expanding the membership of his family in our world. There's our mission. In Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amazing. Just as since the fall of Adam and Eve, evil has spread like an infection throughout the earth. So the gospel now spreads like a cure throughout the same infected host. We carry the cure. What a privilege. On this earth realm, God works through his people to achieve his will. We the people, we the church, those that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that is us. We are that people. The exclusive claim of Christianity is this. There is only one God. There is only one Savior. There is only one true religion. There is only one holy book. There is only one gospel. And there is only one way to salvation. All other religious claims are false. When I pointed that out to my brother a few years ago, his comment to me was, that is a very arrogant claim, Alan. Can you not see how arrogant you are to say that what you have discovered is the only true religion? I said to him, yep, but there's only one question that you need to answer, and that is, did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if he did, he is who he claims to be. If he didn't, then I'm arrogant. He actually agreed that that was true, that that was the question to be answered. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's in Acts 4 verse 12. You know, throughout the last 2,000 years, these claims I just mentioned have brought persecution to those who hold to them. Why? Because they are very stark 
claims. They are not vague. They are, this is the way, any other way is not the way. So believing the gospel means believing that the God of all creation came to earth as a man, voluntarily dying on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and rose again on the third day. As Jesus follows, we embrace that by faith and show our loyalty to Jesus by forsaking all other gods, all other distractions. Have you ever heard of that slogan, WWJD? What would Jesus do? It's actually, it's actually the wrong question. It's not what would Jesus do. You know, if it's what would Jesus do, then, then it's all about behavioralism. What would he do? Well, I better behave better. What wouldn't he do? Well, I better not do that. It's behavioralism. God is not interested in our behavior. He's interested in our faith. So what would Jesus do is not the right question. The right question is why. Why would he do it? Why did he? Why would Jesus do? Here's just a few statements that Jesus gave for his why. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world would know that I love the Father. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Those were his why. What's your why? It's not the what, it's your why. Victor Frankl, if you've heard of him, he's the one um, claimed to have said this, he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. If you have a why, this is why I should go. You know, Sam's going. Why is she going? Ask her, why? Why is she going? The why is what will expose where our heart is. You see, when we truly believe we're more inclined to not waver in how we behave, our beliefs produce our behavior. We need to get our root system down deep into the why. For there is no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. It's a pretty good why. God is not ultimately looking for better behavior. He's looking for faith, for believing loyalty. The question God asks us every day, and I get it, it's just a question he, I sense him ask every day. Every day of your life, it's the same question. Will you trust me today? And trusting him today is going to look different today than it will if I've got to trust him tomorrow. I can trust him today if everything's going all right, the sun's shining, the grass is growing, the cows are happy, the farmer's happy. Yes, I can trust him today. But what about when it's pouring down with rain and there's only mud? Will you trust me today? And whatever else that means for every individual person in this room. Will you trust me today? Because it's trusting in him that allows him to work in us and through us. 
That's the doorway he's able to work through, trusting in him. I'm not encouraging you to do this little experiment, but imagine you've got two kids, two beautiful children, love them both dearly, and you say to one of them, what I want you to do, they're five, what I want you to do for the rest of your life is just do whatever you want. Just live however you like. Live for yourself. Then you go to the other one, who you love just the same, but it's a bit of an experiment. You want to see what happens. And you say to the other one, what I want you to do is I want you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow his call on your life. Which one do you think would have the better life? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? How are you going with that for yourself? You know, if it's a no-brainer that by trusting myself in this world and doing what I think feels right will lead to a poor life, certainly way worse than the life of if I trusted in Jesus in all that I do and committed my way to him. What is it? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, look to him, and he will guide your path. How are we going there? You know, we are in a river that is flowing quite strong. Our culture, if we are not standing on the rock, if we are not actively working to avoid the flow of that river, then we will be going with the flow of that river. Here's another thought I had the other day. I read it somewhere. In our life, it is said we will have about a thousand significant contacts, about a thousand in our life. You know, if you're thinking to yourself, well, what could my life do? You know, I'm only one person. If you can realize that in your life you'll have about a thousand significant contacts, so you can influence about a thousand people quite significantly. And if those thousand people are able then to influence a thousand people, that's already a million people. That's amazing. That's profound, I thought. One of the biggest insights I've learned over the last few years is evil goes wherever it can. Think about it. Evil goes wherever it can. You're in a boat in water. Evil can't get in. But if you put a hole in the boat, evil will get in. Evil goes wherever it can. If you've got holes in your boat, you must plug them. I really, really encourage you, plug them. And I'm pretty sure most of us know this one. Saved or not, we're still capable of drilling holes in our boat. 
Look at Adam and Eve. They walked with God in a beautiful garden and they drilled a mighty hole in their boat. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We reap what we sow. Simple. How are you going? What are you growing? Are there holes that need to be plugged? Are there weeds that need to be pulled? Please do that. You know, the truth is we all leak. We all stuff up. We all make mistakes. We need to find the holes and we need to plug them. We need to use the bulge pump of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship with other believers to empty out what we have let in. We need to do that. Thankfully, we don't have to be perfect for God to work in and through us. I put my hand up, not perfect. When we are saved, we weren't perfect. After we are saved, we aren't perfect. We live between the tension of the dust of the ground and the breath of the divine. We come from dust. Breath of the divine was breathed into us, so we live between that tension. Pursue the divine. Don't pursue the dust, pursue the divine. We're all, we are all a work in progress. The call from God to us is to keep progressing. To focus on what God is bringing to our attention and to work on that. I titled this message, Be Aware of the Hiss of the Serpent. He hates you. You are the only power that he is afraid of. And not because of my stature. Look how tall I am. I'm intimidating. <laughs> not because of that, but because of who lives in me. So Satan will use all sorts of accusations to stop you from receiving the forgiveness, power, authority, and freedom Jesus has for you. God does not use criticism, condemnation, or shame to correct his children. Satan does. God doesn't. Conviction, yes. If you're feeling convicted, please respond to that. But criticism, shame, and condemnation do not come from the heart of God. So what does a serpent's hiss sound like to you? You're not good enough. You're a failure. Who do you think you are? You're a nobody. Call yourself a Christian if those around you really knew who you were, <laughs> you've done shocking things. You're disgusting. You can't be saved. 
Listen to what God says, not the serpent. Pursue him. The sign of revival in our life is seen when we break the strongholds that get in the way of our relationship with God. Classic scripture here, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've done something wrong and you feel, if you feel guilt, good, work on it. Not shame, not criticism, not condemnation. The only way to be free of our guilt, to walk in freedom from all of that, is when God touches you. By the way, sin is anything that God doesn't agree with. So if you're doing something that you know that God doesn't agree with, that is, that is sin. You know, God looks after his kids. See you, Carl. God looks after his kids if we let him. God wants to look after him, after you. Are you letting him? James 4, 6 and 8. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proud person, nothing wrong with me, it's all them. But he gives grace to the humble. Oh, I'm a broken man, I'm so sorry. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If you go to a doctor and you've got a rash, and he says, oh, I know exactly what that rash is. Here's the cream. This will fix it. Put it on twice a day. Come back and see me in a week. You come back in a week and the rash has got worse, not better. And the doctor says, don't know why that's happened. It should have improved. How often were you putting the cream on? Oh, no, I just kept the cream on my bedside cabinet. I didn't even bother opening it. Don't blame the doctor. Don't blame the cream. Apply the product. Apply. Application. You know, it's the pursuit of being faithful to God that allows him to work in and through us. It's the pursuit of being faithful. It's the pursuit of being faithful. It's the direction you're heading that allows him to work in and through us. It's not perfection. It's the direction we're heading. God doesn't actually exist for us. We exist for God. It's the right way to look at it. God doesn't actually exist for us in a certain sense. We exist for God. Jesus, in my view, made that clear when the disciples said, how should we pray? He said this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When we pursue that in our life, you watch and see what happens. Every believer is sacred space. We are to set ourselves apart for instruments for God to use. There is no greater experience in life, there is no greater life to live than to have the privilege of allowing God to work in us and through us 